0: even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: Sports Radio 910
0: The Fan. Are you ready?
2: I'm ready. It's time for MP on the Mic.
1: Let's go. Let's go, baby! And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Happy Thursday morning to you, Michael Phillips, MP on the mic. 910 The Fan, 1051 FM live worldwide on the Odyssey app. You know we got plenty to say. VCU takes down Rhode Island, eighty-eight sixty-seven at the stew. Richmond, 80-64 over St. Louis. UVA hanging on late night, late night in Boston, 72-68. They had to have it. They got it. UVA finding its way into the NCAA tournament. If it can just hang on for one more against Georgia Tech or maybe even steal one against Duke on Saturday. All right. Uh, we'll get back to VCU, but uh, we need to address the most important story happening in sports today because I cannot get enough of this. Uh, do you know who Chiefs-a-holic is? Uh, does this ring a bell for you? New. No. Okay. He's a Kansas City Chiefs super fan. All right. So you, you've got the picture. You know the super fans. I, I, this is going to ring a bell for NFL fans. Um, he wears, wears a wolf suit to games, and, you know front row cheering for the team, going to all the games. Uh, was arrested last year for robbing banks. Uh, that was how he funded his his lifestyle. Um, he presented <laughs> okay. himself. by He posted on social media that he was a really successful sports gambler, that he gambled on sports, and that was how he had all this money because he would travel to all the road games. Uh, turns out uh, he was actually homeless. He lived out of his car, okay. and, and he robbed banks. ...to fund his Kansas City Chiefs obsession. All right. Um, when you're a homeless Kansas City Chiefs superfan, uh, as you know, the law does entitle you to representation. And so his, his trial was, was yesterday in Kansas City, Missouri, federal court. Uh, okay. Xavier Baboudar, uh, reading from the Associated Press story now, uh, who gained notoriety for wearing a gray wolf suit to Chiefs games, pled guilty... To stealing more than eight hundred thousand dollars in eleven bank robberies across seven states and laundering the proceeds through area casinos, uh, he pled guilty All to three right. counts and faces a maximum of fifty years in prison. He must pay. Oh yeah, the criminal justice system works. Uh, he must pay five hundred and thirty-two thousand six hundred and seventy-five dollars in restitution and forfeit. Any property gained through his crimes, including an autographed painting of Patrick Mahomes that he purchased at a charity <laughs> auction. <laughs> Man. Uh, his attorney is Matthew Merriman, and I don't believe he is the best money can buy. This isn't the Johnny Cochran level of criminal defense. Okay. Here is his statement outside the courthouse to reporters after Chief Saholic pled guilty.
3: From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chiefsaholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if... He stumbled, and he fell. He didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City,
1: and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. <laughs> One, all the football metaphors. It's incredible. Yeah. Two, his, his his final statement I just want everybody to know I love the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, <laughs>
0: very, very much.
1: Uh, do, do they get to watch the games in prison? I don't know. Um, <laughs> does, he, does he get to keep the suit? Can he wear the suit in prison and cheer him on? I don't know. Stay tuned. Um, I do find it awfully coincidental that the time he got arrested and was unable to attend the games anymore was almost exactly the time Taylor Swift started dating Travis Kelsey. Something mm. to think about. Something to think about. Hmm. Just saying, only room for one super fan in in the Chiefs' kingdom. That's right. And <laughs> some furry's not going to take this away from us, no sir. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I n- the Chiefs produce a drama every single day, and it's amazing. Uh, this was exactly what they needed yesterday because the NFL player report cards came out yesterday. We'll dive into this later. Uh, the Commanders were ranked the worst organization by the players, as that as is their annual tradition, of course. Uh the Chiefs were 31st out of, the 30 se- out of the 32 teams. Their owner, Clark Hunt, was rated the worst. Apparently, he told them last year he was going to give them a new locker room because the locker room's like old and kind of musty, and then didn't and said during training camp when they asked him about it, they said, well, y'all were in the Super Bowl, so we didn't have enough time to, to properly plan that. Right. Because there's so little time between the Super Bowl and training camp. Yeah. There's only... Seven months, yeah, <laughs> not a good excuse i mean how 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 bad do you have to be as an owner to win three Super Bowls in four years and still be voted the worst owner in football <laughs> andrew and your number one fan is uh has some, you know, uh Lionel Hutz attorney at law here defending him uh from <laughs> Inflammable means flammable. What a country. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, some Saul Goodman energy there. Oh yeah,
1: sure. that uh, Lionel Hutz was Phil Hartman on the Simpsons as the uh, as the public defense know. lawyer. Yeah. Oh, okay, see. <laughs> kind of out on the Simpsons, not
0: that I dislike it, just not a, uh, not enough under my belt.
1: That I mean that Phil Hartman played many of the great Simpsons characters oh, really? in, in the early years. Um, one of them being Lionel Hutz, uh, attorney at law, public defender. Um, <laughs> I, I I, can't believe it's not a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, more on the Chiefs later because there's uh, that's not the end of the Chiefs drama. McCole uh, Hardman, their receiver, um, allegedly slid other teams the game plans when he was playing for the Jets earlier this year. Hmm. We'll slide back to that at 11.15. Uh, I promised a college football hot take when Gary walked by, and I'll, I'll deliver it. The college football playoffs are discussing expanding to 14 teams. Uh, you might be thinking, didn't they just expand to 12 teams? And the answer is, yeah, they did. Next year's the first year of the 12-team playoff field, up from four, uh, but it's never enough. And they're discussing now moving from 12 to 14. All right, the details on this are wild, though. Um, the Big Ten and the SEC would each be guaranteed three automatic spots every year in the 14. The ACC and the Big 12 would each be guaranteed two spots every year, and all the rest of the conferences would each receive a combined one guaranteed spot. So the group of five plus whatever the Pac-12 is, would have one spot. If Notre Dame finished in the top 14, they would be guaranteed inclusion, which is just a formality. Anytime Notre Dame's available, they're going to want Notre Dame. The TV ratings on that are far too good. I am stunned that the ACC may end up with two teams out of this. This would be pulling a, pulling a rabbit out of the hat here because uh, just when you think the ACC is on, on the verge of becoming irrelevant in football, if they're guaranteed two playoff spots every year, you think about it Florida State had one sewn up last year it was not, the second best team wasn't obvious, it was Louisville at the end there were years, you remember the years where Clemson had played Virginia Tech in the ACC title game, both those teams would have been headed to the playoffs in the new system uh, now obviously they'll bring in a couple more teams with Cal and Stanford and SMU but all of a sudden there's a semi-plausible path to the playoffs for Virginia Tech If there's two guaranteed ACC teams, it's not unthinkable you could slide in. Now, what's crazy to me is, aside from going from four to fourteen, right? Like four is not working. There's not enough teams. When we go to fourteen, like that's just that's an insane committee-driven decision there. Um, But aside from that, you've got so many guaranteed teams getting in. There's going to be bad teams in this thing, and they're going to keep the conference title games. So you're going to have the Big Ten title game, the SEC title game, both those teams are going to be fully locked up into the playoffs, and in a 14-team playoff, they're going to be lasting for a while. They're going to uh, they they're going to play 17 games if you're a conference if you're in the conference title game, and and you play all four rounds of the playoffs, which would be doable in a 14-team field. is an NFL number of games. This thing, uh, this thing escalated very quickly. So it's the three three two two one format. That's what they're dubbing it. Uh, yeah, that's that just just rolls off the tongue. I was about to say, easy to say. The old three three two two one format. Uh, I know it well. <laughs> <laughs> but you think you're great, ways, You've got your round robins, pool play, elimination brackets. Who who can forget the 3-3-2-2-1, 3-3-2-2-1. playoff format? Uh <laughs> the format would start in 2026 as part of a new television contract they're already set in 24 and 25 with the mere 12 team field uh, which which is apparently not enough to satisfy college football lovers I I get wanting more teams in more teams in means more coaches who are happy more fan bases who are happy you're going to start diminishing the regular season games and it's going to start happening quickly right you're you're going to have seasons where teams have locked up playoff bursts with a couple of games to go. You're going to have conference title games where they're resting players to get them ready for the playoffs. You, it, this is a loss to, right? What we're sold in college football every week is every game matters. Every every single game is important. Uh, this this is going to chip away at that for sure. I. I, I, I was willing to let 12 happen for a couple of years and see, but the fact that they're already talking 14 and they're already talking more tells you they're, they're never going to stop, right? This is why the ends, the basketball tournament has to be capped at, at 64 and 68. Once they start, they're never, ever going to stop. Uh, we got Lane Casadana on the other side of the break. always look forward to chatting with him on Thursdays. You're listening to MP on the mic. It's 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. Dayward radio takes over, Grant and Danny drive you home. It's leap day though, so in a way, this is all bonus time anyway. It's all uh This, this day is, never happened. I mean, for you know, for the for the people who get paid by the hour, it's happening. For for those of us on salary at nine ten the fan. <laughs> That's right. It's just a day of work for the man. Yeah. You know, That's right. This one this one's for the fan. This one's for this one's for Odyssey. All work and no pay. I hope I get some Odyssey points out of this or something at a minimum. Well, we'll uh, I, I sent you some Odyssey we'll, points the other day. We'll s- sent, you did send me some Odyssey. I points. I sent
0: all of you Odyssey points the other day. You're
1: welcome. You're um. You'll get a fresh <laughs> round in March too. So uh, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, fresh round of Odyssey I'll points. I'll fire off another salvo, making it rain. Uh, Virginia made it rain. Made their last six shots. UVA takes care of business. Down three late against Boston College, and uh, I don't think it was an exaggeration to say, their tournament hopes were on the ropes. Uh, if they had lost up there to Boston College and, and if Boston College uh, had had found a way to scrap that one out, I think Virginia was moving towards the bubble and moving there quickly. But UVA salvages 72-68 win. Uh, keeps, keeps itself on track. They don't have to win at Duke on Saturday. Obviously, it'd be, be great for them if they did. Uh, but I, I think they're solidly in the tournament, have Hopefully stabilize the ship a little bit. Uh, McNeely two big threes there at the end. You love seeing that a little late night college basketball action up in Chestnut Hill. Here's Tony Bennett on the importance of the game.
2: These guys are smart. They know whatever the magic number is to get in. It's just you're just fighting and you're still pursuing the right stuff. And it was I like that idea about not pressure on the and pressure in the game with your your passion and how you're going to play and do the things, the hard things well and not yield on them.
1: There he is, Tony Bennett, UVA basketball coach who uh, got some advice from his dad before the game, right? Mike Barber was up there at the game from the Times-Dispatch, shared that this morning in his article at Richmond.com. His dad said, don't, don't stress out about the tournament. Stress out about beating Boston College. Stress out about the fundamentals. And uh, that that's a lesson he learned last year when, when Boston College took care of business up there at the Conte Forum. They uh, They were big winners last year, UVA. Finds a way to scrap it out. 72-68. 68's not the number Tony Bennett's looking for out of his defense, but the win was the most important thing there. Spiders take care of business last night. 80-64. Moves us on to Saturday. Spiders beat St. Louis by 16. No bench scoring, but no bench scoring needed. Uh, Moves us on to Saturday. And uh, it should be a really fun rematch out there. We'll talk about it tomorrow and get you ready for it. Obviously, 6 p.m., uh, Robbins Center. Uh, this this one out in Henrico as uh, Richmond takes on VCU on Saturday in a game with all sorts of implications up at the top of the Atlantic 10. I think, uh, think VCU is going to have some friends on Saturday as uh, Richmond uh, is holding on, holding on to first place, but only by a game. Uh, Also on Saturday, VCU women at the Seagull Center, they're going to set the attendance record. They're going to try to set the attendance record. I don't know if they'll do it or not. I hope they do. Uh, Can lock up the number two seed in the A-10 women's tournament by beating George Mason. That would make the Spiders number one, the Rams number two, which is literally all you could hope for going into an A-10 women's tournament that will be contested. Right here in Richmond, up at the Henrico Sports and Events Center, that's going to be a fun week. We'll meander up there. Uh, I think we're doing the show from there next Friday. That'll be a ton of fun. Uh, Rams took care of business against Rhode Island last night. They were up in Rhode Island while the uh, men men Rams were here. Uh, women Rams sixty nine to fifty nine winners, setting up that big game on Saturday. VCU eighty eight sixty seven. The men that was the big one last night. The Seagull Center early tip. Early, early hot streak there from uh, Joe Bamasil. He comes to play, knocks down some buckets, and uh, gets ten points early. Sends VCU off to a hot start. They did not look back. That was uh, that was exactly what they needed uh, after a number of nail biters, number of, of you know comebacks to to get out to a hot start early. Be the team they want to be going into March. One more one more day till we turn the calendar it's officially March Madness. And uh, Joe Bamasil, he's hot. I. I keep advocating. I would love to see him in the starting lineup. By the time they get to Brooklyn, that was my chair. That was my chair making a very weird noise. I, you probably heard that on the air. That probably came across the, uh, the, the microphone there. My, we deep cleaned the carpets this morning. Chairs are next. We're working. We're working our way up. Yeah. The carpets look good, Awan. Eh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Just...
0: I've been talking about bringing a can of WD-40 in here for like months now. Well, <laughs> I keep forgetting. Well, needed
1: it. Needed it there. Uh. I'd love to see Joe Bamisil in the starting lineup in Brooklyn. Hit, take some shots early, get an early lead. Uh, it's so so valuable to the team, to what they do defensively. Uh, obviously, I understand the defense is at the core of who this team is and who they need to be to win in Brooklyn to make it to the tournament. But I, I think Bamisil is just the, the next level he provides when he gets hot is so valuable to everybody on the team and everything they do and and to the guards and and what they can accomplish too and how they can get open. Uh, Love seeing Sean Bairstow, the bear uh, make 7 of 11 last night, did great work in the paint found his touch up. Favorable matchup for him to be sure Uh, but the way he'd been playing really up until the second half against St. Joseph's good to see him get rolling a little bit he's going to be a crucial piece of this March puzzle and of course Max Shulga. 1000th point uh player of the game picked the BG's as the locker room song. Uh JC cranked that earlier, More Than a Woman uh was was the pick in the locker room after the game. You don't you don't get that every day. It's a solid track. It G- George agrees. I I, I, I now want, I now want to know what every what every post game song has been in the Rams locker room. If this is like part I'm of a so trend curious. or if yeah. it's normally like you know, current pop stuff, hip hop stuff. Right. and this, this was like a, a full curve ball right after he scored his thousandth, thousandth collegiate point. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping this is the first
0: time they've given him the ox cord, so to speak.
1: Might, might be the last. Uh, <laughs> might be the last. If it's the first, it might be the last. Oh no. Uh, if, he, if he leads a team like that, uh, he he can have the ox cord whenever he wants. Uh, Max Schulgo, who I I think will be first team all A10 when that list comes out in a couple of weeks. Uh, very much the heart and soul of this VCU basketball team. I I think not an exaggeration to say that. I I think he's taken that role as the leader. Uh, He had the advantage over Bearstow, right, and that he was around for those November games, those December games. But I I think it's become very clear this team runs through Max Shulga and and takes their vibes from him. Six and nine from the field, two three-pointers last night, five rebounds, uh, taking care of business. By the way, drew five fouls, uh, was just a, a human foul-out machine. No fouls himself, drew five fouls, very strong stat line for Max Schulge, Uh who, who, with that compliment of guards, right? Zeb Jackson had some solid minutes last night as well. Saw a lot of Jason Nelson. His shot wasn't falling, but he was a contributor. Uh, 25 minutes for Jason Nelson, 23 for Bearstow, 25 for Zeb Jackson, 29 for Max Schulgen. That game was out of hand, so we saw some Fats Billups at the end. We saw some Roosevelt Wheeler at the end, but those are the guys who are going to carry this team uh, in Brooklyn and, uh, and beyond if that, is, uh, if that is in the cards, whether, whether that's the NCAA tournament or the NIT. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't spend a lot of time talking NIT, but I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. In the, NIT, the NIT divides into two kinds of teams. Uh, the teams that want to be there and the teams that don't want to be there. Uh, I think VCU would be a team that wants to be there and embraces the opportunity and and would potentially extend their season in a good way there. So we're on to Saturday. Spiders and the Rams at the Robbins Center. Uh, Really fun finish to the A-10 season. VCU's got uh, Dayton on the road to close the season next Saturday. Duquesne in the middle for Senior Day. Three great games left. Uh, None of those... None of those again. gimme. I'm not sleeping on Duquesne either. I can't sleep on anybody in the A10 this year, uh, but that one should be a fantastic game. You'll hear it, of course, right here on The Fan. One segment to go. If you missed anything today, grab the Odyssey app. It's free, it's got the rewind button. But until then, hang around for one more, and then we'll, we'll hand it off to AWOD Radio. You're listening to 910 The Fan, now 1051 FM. <laughs> what is up, Richmond? It is a Thursday morning. Uh, Three winners last night on the men's side, two more on the women's side. Richmond and BCU lock up their double buys in the women's tournament, which will be here next week. We're excited to uh, head out to the Henrico Sports and Events Center and see that. It is time right now, though, to bring on our friend from CBS 6, sports director Lane Casadante. Lane, happy Thursday to you. Happy Leap Day.
2: How is everyone?
1: I am. Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, uh, you hear me all right here. We're good. I do now. Yes, sir. Excellent. Um, do you have do you have thoughts on the BGs? Bee I've been taking crap because Max Shulga uh, blasted the BGs in the locker room last night after the VCU win, and uh, I, I was like, that's kind of weird. And everybody in here was like, the BGs are the best. Um, I did not realize there was such a such a fan selection here. If you'd like to roast me as well, you may.
2: Yeah, we're talking about the Australian
1: music group, right? Yeah, uh, more than a woman. Um, okay, you know that Saturday
2: Night Fever. Yeah, I just I just wanted to make sure BG wasn't some euphemism and acronym for something <laughs> that you know people of my age just wouldn't understand at all. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm I've got the right frame of mind. Um, the BGs are one of those groups that people always uh, profess to not like, but then you can sing every one of their songs. Ah. Uh-huh. So, so, they're just, I mean, it's all the stuff is catchy. And Saturday Night Fever was one of the greatest-selling albums of all time, one of the best-selling soundtrack albums of all time. And um, I'm actually – I give Max Shulga credit for even knowing who they are.
0: That's I true.
2: N- I have no idea under what context they would be brought up during a <laughs> post-game press conference at an NCAA basketball game in 2024. But – That just shows, you know, how exciting our jobs really are.
1: (laughs) Well put. All right, let's spend a little time with Lane Casadante here.
2: He's the dean of local TV sports, and if it seems like he knows it all, that's because he does. It's time for Thursdays with Lane Casadante of CBS 6.
1: All right, Lane, uh, we are now flying towards the rematch. Robin Center, Saturday night. VCU-Richmond round two. Uh, round one started off slow, uh, but VCU took care of business. The Spiders can can hold their position with a win and, and very much have a track on winning the A-10 title. Uh, give me give me your early thoughts on what we're going to see at the Robins Center on Saturday night.
2: Usually in a rematch, you give the edge to the team that lost the first game because they know what to fix or at least they have a blueprint for what needs, tending uh, against any particular opponent. The thing that worries me about the Spiders is their lack of bench scoring, because VCU has that in spades. You saw it again last night from Joe Bambasilo, who had 24 points in 22 minutes, um, and VCU is obviously much deeper. Uh, Richmond's win last night at St. Louis was impressive, but I think they only had seven points off their bench. Um, All five scores in double figures, which is wonderful. But after that, you know, when when things go a little sideways, you need to be able to count on some depth from your bench. And I I give the edge to VCU in that category. Um, But, again, I give Richmond the edge because they know what to fix, they know what they did wrong the first time, and they're playing at home. Um, I don't know – but it, it's so hard to handicap. I mean, we've seen these two teams for an entire season now, so we know far more about them than we would have known in December. Um, Richmond plays really well at home. I'm, I'm not sure to whom the edge goes because they both won, I think, four in a row. And VCU may not be at four in a row just yet, but um, they're on a they're on a course right now where they would meet again in the semifinals in Brooklyn. So this. May not be the last time they face each other this year.
1: No, not at all. And you mentioned the bench scoring. It's, uh, it's certainly nice when Joe Bamisil is considered a bench player. That uh that, that helps your numbers a little bit when he, he comes in, puts in ten before the game's even rolling, and, and all of a sudden you got ten bench points. So I, I I take that I take that uh number with a grain of salt. You mentioned Richmond knows what to adjust to, though. I'm curious what we'll see from Jason Nelson. I, I know the, the Robinson Center crowd is not known for being particularly active. Agitating, but I, I think they may have a thing or two to say on Saturday night.
2: Well, and Jason is one of those other, you know, the bench pieces that comes in uh, for Ryan Odom. Um, you know, depending on the matchups, I would think Jason Nelson would get a few more minutes in this game just because Richmond is so guard-reliant and so guard-heavy, and that, you know, would seemingly play into uh, – Jason's strengths, obviously, you know, you, and you would also think since Jason was over there for two years, he might have some fantastic insight, but he doesn't know half of these guys. That's I mean, true. new faces on the spider's roster, too. So um, you know, he knows the program, he knows the coaches, and he, you know he doesn't need a map to get around the Robin Center, but in terms of any insight into guys that he played with last year, there's only a couple of them.
1: No, oh, it's uh, it's a full new roster, and that makes what they've done all the more impressive. I mean, I, when they were picked to finish towards the bottom of the A10 preseason, that wasn't disrespect. That was that was truly Coach Chris Mooney entering the unknown, and here they are. Uh win on Saturday would uh, would guarantee them a share, I believe, of the uh, the A10 title, or no? They, they would still have two more after that. Um, would need to hold off Dayton and, and Loyola with one more win. But it, it's impressive what they've done so far out at Richmond. Lane I love having him join us on Thursdays. Uh, just devoted my last segment to this college football playoff news that they are already discussing expanding it from 12 to 14 teams, uh, which to me is ridiculous when you haven't even seen what 12 looks like yet. Uh, are Are you ready for a 14 team college football playoff?
2: Well, it doesn't matter where we're ready for it. That's true. Like, you know, I I think I've said this before, but I've told this to my kids all the time. If you can't figure out why something happened the way it did or why someone acts the way they do, the answer is money. (laughs) And that is exactly why they're already talking about going to 14. The coaches love it because for the same reason the basketball coaches want the basketball field expanded to 96 teams so that there's another 30 of them that can say, hey, we were an NCAA team last year. And sometimes you just can't see the forest for the trees, and sometimes your greed overlooks, you know, the better part of rational thought. If you are going to start to put everybody in, it's no longer special. Now, granted, you know, this is going to be more of a true playoff, and the team that holds the trophy at the end of the year can honestly say, hey, we, you know, beat everybody that was in front of us. This wasn't handed to us by some sort of arbitrary vote or, uh, you know, some subjective reasoning. Um, But, you know, 14, really? So (laughs) let's go see who the 14th team ranked team was this year, and let's have a discussion about whether or not we think they're national championship caliber. And I understand they're – you know, they're trying to take a page from the basketball blueprint, but you're, it's really not the same, and I don't think you can look at them the same way.
1: You're going to laugh when I tell you who 14 was because it'll make all, all the money sense in the world. Uh, Notre Dame was 14 this year. And the there,
2: you yeah. there you go. There you can see. That's, <laughs> it, it, that's, don't, don't think... That's entirely by accident,
1: either. Uh, exactly. Uh, it, it, the ACC would be guaranteed two spots in the new one, though. If you tell me the ACC is guaranteed two playoff spots every year, I'd take some action on Virginia Tech making it back to the playoffs in the next decade. I think they – they like, I wouldn't have them in a 12-team playoff where you got to beat the computers and hang with Clemson and hang with Florida State. But there there could be years where they're the second-best team in the ACC.
2: Well, I don't understand why if you, like, if you're going to have 14 teams, why can't you just have automatic bids for the two teams that win each ACC division? Um, why are we going to rely on polls? Why are we going to rely on invites? Why don't you make it more like basketball where you say, okay, an automatic spot goes to the conference champion? Or if you, you know, insist on extrapolating it all out, you've got power five. That's 10 spots. If the Power Five conferences each have two divisions, you win your division, you get into the playoffs. Um, And then you still have four spots for at-large, independents, a group of five, the JMUs, the Notre Dames, you know, all of those teams of the world, and then they still get a shot as well. It's kind of like the 32 or 33 automatic bids from some of the smaller conferences. If they went more towards that direction, and by that, putting more emphasis on the regular season, I could see that. I don't know that that's what they're thinking, but any expansion should be geared towards still keeping the regular season as relevant as possible.
1: No doubt. Of course, some of these Big Ten divisions are about to be as large as conferences by the time they finish expanding. Uh, Lane I always appreciate you joining us on Thursdays. We got cooking over at CBS 6. This weekend. Oh,
2: let's see. We've got, uh, boy, we have uh, six high school teams. Seven, excuse me, that are home tomorrow in state semifinal games. The uh, girls, boys, public, private. Um, there's still a lot of teams in this area that have a shot to come to the Siegel Center next week for uh, a state championship. Um, and uh, obviously. Um, uh, I think you. I don't know if you've talked to her this week, but Bethel Boyle and the VC Rams. Yeah.
1: Big game are Saturday.
2: Set a record on Saturday uh, for biggest attendance and just putting more of a focus on women's sports, especially with the A10 women's tournament coming right here in our backyard next weekend and you know, VCU and Richmond being two of the top four best teams in in the women's side again as well. It's a a good year for college basketball around
1: here. Fantastic time for basketball. Once Lane figures out how to clone himself, he'll be at all of it. Uh, Until then, we'll watch him on CBS 6. Thanks for joining us, man. Mike, thanks for having me. Have a great weekend. All right, off he goes, and off we go to a break. We'll be back right after this on 910 The Fan, now 1051 FM. Thursday morning, 11 o'clock, hour number 10. of MP on the mic, 910 the fan, 1051 FM. Worldwide on the free Odyssey app. Folks, it is time for baseball. I know that uh, I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds crazy. But, single game tickets for the Richmond Flying Squirrels go on sale in two days in 47 hours. At the Diamond, we are 47 hours away from being able to buy single-game tickets to the Richmond Flying Squirrels' 2024 season. We got a schedule. We got a promotional schedule. We got ourselves a block party. Tons of fun. Tons of buzz. One of my favorite times of year, of course. uh, And it'll kick off on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Diamond with Nutsy's block party. And here he is making his inaugural appearance of 2024 on mp on the mic it is trey wilson the voice of the flying squirrels trey good morning what's up
4: hey man it's good to uh, it's good to hear your voice it's nice to um to to crawl out of the the hole of my winter and start looking at baseball <laughs> season like Funk of tony phil um i haven't seen my shadow is that the way that that works so does
1: it so, mean six, six more uh, yeah. weeks still baseball
4: yeah, exactly. We're right on that mark. So,
1: I love it. Good to uh, talk to you, man. Uh, you know, last year I started this show right about the last week of the season, last couple weeks of the season. We were out there at the Diamond for the playoff run, and I thought this is fun, and then it was over. Um, so I'm excited to uh to obviously have you guys on, have a full season of Squirrels baseball, be out there at the Diamond uh Squirrels Games, of course, right here on 910 the Fan 105-1 FM. It's gonna be a ton of fun. But it kicks off this weekend, uh block party. Uh tell us what we can expect for people who head out to the Diamond this weekend on Saturday.
4: Yeah, so the block party is scheduled to start at at uh, ten o'clock and run until one. Um, anybody who's been out here the last few years, uh, especially if you I know a lot of people come year to year, it's crazy how much this event has grown. Uh, there's uh, there's so much going on here. It was absolutely jam-packed uh, the last couple of years, and that was awesome. But the, the big thing is that uh, individual game tickets for the 2024 season go on sale at 10 a.m. in person here at the block party. Um, If you can't make it, we'd love to have you here, but if you can't, online sales will open up at 11 o'clock. But uh, the first 100 fans who come out and purchase tickets here at the block party in person on Saturday, they're going to get a a cool exclusive T-shirt. But the tickets are also just a small portion of what's going on. They're going to be games for kids. There's a car show. There's food. Uh, There's entertainment, music. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It's going to be a pretty... A pretty fun few hours on Saturday morning into the early afternoon.
1: I'll be out there. Anyone will be out there. Uh, obviously, the whole Squirrels crew will be out there. Nutsy and Natasha, all our friends. Uh, looking forward to that. So you get you get an hour long head start on the on the ticket buying if you're out there over the online crowd. That's that's important because I got to get my front row seats for Bluey track.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a big one. Uh, yeah, if y'all didn't see um, the. This, the promotional schedule for this year came out last week and there's a lot of cool stuff on there um, but uh, yeah we want to make sure it's a reward the people who come out and, and have a good time with us and give them a chance to get their hands on tickets first and uh, so that's yeah that's, that's the Bluey appearance that's opening night um, which of course is uh, the home opener is coming up on April 9th here at the Diamond that game has sold out every year so uh, that's a good one to go ahead and get your your hands on some tickets for. Of course, Independence Day, the Fourth of July, uh, and the fireworks show that has become a pretty pretty much a staple event here in Richmond. Fourth of July fireworks at the Diamond is a great tradition here, um, and and uh, that's another one that has sold out every season. So you want to make sure to to grab your tickets uh, for that one too. And then take a look at the promotional schedule. See what kinds of, uh, of of things stand out to you. Make sure you lock in your tickets for those.
1: There you go. Fourth of July on a Thursday this year. I like the Thursday Fourth of July. You better believe you're not going to see me in here on Friday morning. That's uh, that just got long weekend written all over it. You got a uh, fireworks all weekend. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday games with Bowie. Uh, I may uh, I may have to take in the whole triple header, Trey. It's, it's the right time of year for that.
4: I mean, that sounds like a good idea. I know I'll be here. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but. Glad, glad somebody's keeping the lights on at the fan.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, um, we'll, we'll uh, have a, a fireworks going on all weekend, so it's going to be a whole Independence Day celebration. With, with, uh, with it coming on a Thursday this year, um, we're going to carry the party on basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There'll be a, a game that Sunday as well. So uh, just, yeah, make it a long weekend. Come hang out here at the ballpark and, and watch some scrolls baseball and, and hang out and watch some fireworks.
1: Trey Wilson joins us, Voice of the Squirrels. Always happy to have him on the program. Nutsy's Block Party, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Diamond on Saturday. All right, let's talk on-the-field things. Uh, Dennis Pelfrey, Pelf, is coming back as the manager. Uh, what I know is everybody's very excited about that. Uh, why is everybody so excited uh, about getting him back, and what it, what is it he brings to the team that the players love?
4: Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, about it, um, I've had the opportunity to work with a, a bunch of managers in the minor leagues, and uh, a lot of great ones. And Pelf is right up there at the top of that list. Uh, he really understands the operation of like what we do, which you don't always get with a manager. You know, I've worked with a lot of guys who are um, kind of like major league lifers, like guys who spend a bunch of time in the big leagues and and stuff like that. Pelf has a little bit of a different path. Um, you know he was a he was an independent baseball player, and then he was an independent baseball manager. For those who don't know, those are those minor leagues that aren't affiliated with major league teams. It's a whole different operation there. But what he has from that is he worked a lot closer with the front office of those local teams than a lot of the managers do. So for one, from one side, he understands a lot about how our operation works, and he works with us great in that regard. But he also understands that that winning in the minor leagues. Is really important to the towns that you're in, and he does a great job of blending that, developing major league talent for the San Francisco Giants, while also putting a winning product on the field. And literally every single year that he's been in the Giants organization, his teams have gone to the postseason, and that is not an easy thing to do. Um, he won a championship when he was in Eugene in his first season, and then he came here and led the Squirrels to the postseason for the first time in eight years. Uh, got the Squirrels back last year. Now, unfortunately, both years, uh, they ran into kind of a buzzsaw on a really talented Erie team, and Erie went on to win the championship last year. But um, he has proven that wherever he goes, that team wins. And not only that, but last year we also saw a record number of players from last year's roster make it to the major leagues. And uh, so he's mixing both of those things, which is the best-case scenario for how minor league baseball works. We're getting to see guys go on and have success in the major leagues and we're getting to see a winning product on the field here in Richmond. And that's kind of a balance that doesn't always happen.
1: Well, you know what I say, Trey. It's hard to beat the same team in the playoffs three years in a row. So this this is the year. Get get it circled. Pelf's breaking through this year. Uh, You mentioned the players, though. I mean, I, I know we're still very early in big league spring training out there in Arizona with the Giants. But it does seem like the caliber of players they've been sending to Richmond has only increased over the last couple of years. Some big names, some folks people have wanted to see Uh, and I think fans are going to be pleased again. Uh, I know that speaks to the job everybody does in the organization every day, making it a place people want to be, making it a welcoming place for players, Uh, but I think everybody's going to be excited again when they see this year's roster come out in early April
4: yeah i think you're absolutely right and you know these things you you can't judge them as much in the moment but when you look back and you go man that was an era of a lot of really great prospects on their way up and uh this has the feeling i've I've been a part of one of those eras before with a different team where now you look back and go man we were just loaded with talent there for a few years and uh, i think that we're in that that phase right now um I mentioned it a moment ago, but last year, sending a franchise record number of players off to make their major league debuts. Um, we're going to see some of the same faces back uh, when the season opens up. Uh, probably, you know, it usually ends up falling about a 50-50 split between familiar faces and, and new faces, but the, the good news is that, like we saw last year, a ton of players got promoted to triple-A and then onto the major leagues, and the Giants have so much depth in their organization that the players that are coming up from Eugene to replace them are really good so you know we're seeing really talented players move on and then they're being replaced with really talented players and that's a really hard thing to do Uh, there's definitely some depth I think that there's going to be a handful of familiar faces coming back it wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like Hayden Birdsong who had a really successful first full professional season last year be on the opening day roster i don't know for sure we won't find out until a few days before the guys leave arizona to come out but uh that's one guy that i wouldn't be shocked to see here um and a handful of uh of the pitchers and position players that we saw on last year's team i think we'll see some of them back and a couple of the big prospects that were down in eugene that we've been excited for for a while
1: it'll be an exciting start to the year get out to nutsy's block party saturday 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Get first crack at buying single-game tickets for the upcoming season. Uh, it's it's a party, though. It's more than just that. It's uh, all the hoopla around it getting you ready for baseball season. The weather is turning, and, and it's time. Maybe not in the mornings, but in the afternoons, it's been nice enough for baseball. It'll be here soon enough. Trey Wilson, voice of the squirrels, look forward to hearing you on the fan all year. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us.
4: MP, thanks for having me. We'll uh, we'll chat again soon.
1: We definitely will. Off he goes and off we go to a break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to 910 the fan now 1051 FM. The the owners the owners get squirmy about this. I love it. Um here's the other thing that I flagged uh from the NFL player survey. And look, I'm not beating the dead horse here because cause I've moved on, but I I think this is worth saying. Uh they graded coaches for the first time. What's it like to play for? your head coach and 29 of the 32 NFL head coaches got either an A or a B Belichick got a B minus. He's kind of at the bottom, right? You know, Belichick, he's a, he's a little abrasive, right? Three coaches got either a C or a D on the player rank your coach thing. This is like uh like professor evaluations, right? At the end of, end of the semester in college, get to rate your professor, get to get to say what you think. Uh, Arthur Smith with the Falcons got a C plus. It's not that pass. That's a passing grade. It's a passing grade, but a C plus. You're the professor. You know. I do know. Uh, I do know. C plus is a passing grade. I gave. I've, I've given them out. Uh, Arthur Smith with the Falcons, who was fired at the end of the season. Uh, D for Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. He was the lowest graded. Hmm. That makes total sense. <laughs> Nobody likes Josh McDaniels. Uh, that's not like. The players who play for him know they're not going to like him. There's no secret there. The 31st rated coach in the entire league with a grade of a C, Ron Rivera. And that's the stunner. Because all you heard about for four years was about how everybody loves Ron Rivera. And Ron Rivera's the guy, and Ron Rivera's rebuilding the culture. Ron Rivera didn't rebuild much on, on his way out. And to get a C from the players in the building was shocking to me. Um, now, some of that may reflect a broad level of disenchantment with Eric Bienemy, which I've gone over. I think it's nonsense. I think there's a lot of coddled veterans who didn't want to do hard work. Uh, but I I don't know if that bled into the Ron Rivera rating ranking, but I was really surprised to see Ron Rivera as low as he was. I thought he'd at least just be in the pack with a B, right? It's Washington. You're never going to finish first at anything until things change big time. But the C... Part of me, I'm coming around. Somebody uh, texted me the other day after the FedEx Field news that FedEx is taking their name off the stadium. That essentially the Dan Snyder stink hasn't come off yet, and I reacted to that kind of like, "Oh, that's that's unfair. That's not true." Uh, but I've thought about it, and I don't know. You gotta, you know, the coach is getting a C even after the owner's gone, the franchise is still dealing with. Sponsor issues, stadium issues. I think, I think the deep clean has started. I think they're scrubbing the carpets. I think Kim Drys here scrubbing the carpets. But I'm coming around on this thought that it's gonna, it's gonna take a little while. Uh, and I think uh, that that you know my stance has been for a long time. They're not gonna rename the team until they're on the other side, until they have a new stadium, until they have a new plan. And um, so let, let's tee up clip number eleven. This is Jason Wright. Uh, he was on the Grant and Danny show yesterday. Uh, look. He was asked about the name because all we talk about is the name, and he's he's a guy in the room. He was he was on the Today Show, sitting next to Doug Williams. We are the Commanders. Uh, he he's the guy who would know best, and uh, I thought Grant and Danny had a good line of questioning for him here on the Fan yesterday afternoon.
3: If they change the name again in the next couple of years, Jason Wright's reaction is
2: the same as it would be <laughs> anybody else. It's the right thing to do if it's the right thing to do at that time. But it's not a priority right now. I go back to what Josh has said and we've got a lot of work to do on a million other things. But, you know, these guys make the right decisions. And so... Uh,
3: so if they you know, come to you I, I and they take, go, hey, we really anything, think...
2: I don't take anything personal whatsoever.
3: If, if they came to you and they're like, hey, there's a couple more Danys than we thought there would be. <laughs> you know, we might want to do this. You wouldn't stand on the table and go, guys. We we just did this. This is going to work. We just did it. Give us more time. I'm telling you, this this name's awesome. Like you, you're not you're not standing on the table.
2: No, these guys don't come with stuff on a whim. They're fact based. They're methodical. I think the description of rapid but thorough is probably just a great description of Josh and this ownership group. Period. And so, any decision, whether it is where our new home is going to be, how we're constructing the football roster. Or the name and branding of the team, it's gonna, it's not gonna come out of uh, a clear blue, and so there's no need to defend or posture, or, um,
1: uh, or, or otherwise. It's uh, Jason Wright on the Grant and Danny program yesterday. You heard it right here on the Fan. He's the president of the Commanders, was in charge of the process that led to the Commanders' name. As a guy who knows who's signing his paychecks, right? And eh, it's Josh's team. Josh wants to do it, it'll be the right thing to do. Uh, I've I've yet to hear anything that even remotely resembles a no from anybody in that building, uh, which leads me to believe that it'll happen at some point. And I think they're smart to hold off on renaming the team because it's still kind of a mess. Uh, I don't know that this year is going to be the year where everybody comes around on, wow, this is this is a great model franchise. I think that will take time to build. Before we uh, wrap up our NFL segment here, uh, Ryan Poles, he's a general manager of the Chicago Bears. He's a person of interest in that he controls what's going to happen with the number one overall draft pick before the commanders select uh, chatted with reporters at the Combine. This is about the fate of Justin Fields, their quarterback right now, and what would happen to him if they draft a quarterback at number one.
0: If you decide to draft a quarterback, what is your motivation to trade Justin before free agency starts, knowing that there might be a free game on that?
1: Yeah, again, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this. If we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, No one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. Yeah, it's going to happen quickly, though. You get that sense, right? The number one picks aren't dealt day of. Those things are lined up in advance. And you remember uh, the RG3 deal that the – The then Redskins, now Commanders, formerly football team, made back in the day. That that was done a long time before the draft. You want certainty on those things. When the Niners traded up to three for Trey Lance, those things happen ahead of time. This is the period of time where you're looking for movement. If Chicago's going to get out of that pick, if somebody's going to get into that pick, and what that would look like. Uh, I continue to come back to you. Got to take a quarterback. I don't care if you trade up. I don't care if you turn in the card. I don't care if you trade back to three, whatever it is. I think you got to take a quarterback though, because you got an opportunity, right? I mean, oh, think of all the draft picks you get. Think of think of all the picks. And look, I'm I'm open to listening to any offer. But if you if you think back, think back to the RG3 deal, right? The Rams took them for a ride. They got all the draft picks. They didn't do anything with him. Jeff Fisher still rolled off a bunch of seven and nine seasons in a row, became a meme. they there's still there's still a lot of uh, there's still a lot of quarterback centricness to the NFL. You can have a great team, but if you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't matter. You can have a lot of pieces, and it makes it easier for your quarterback. It makes life easier. But if you don't have a quarterback, uh, i don't I don't think you're playing ball at the big kids table. Anymore either. All right. I'm gonna sneak in one more cause uh we gotta play um did we get our uh no, we don't have we don't have this one on the sheet. Don't worry about it. We'll get we'll get to uh we'll get to the Broncos situation. MP just time. called like three
0: audibles in a row
1: right That there. was like, that was nope a, nope, cancel there's a triple audible. Here's the audible. We're taking a break. We're back after this, we're talking BCU hoops, big win last night over Rhode Island. You're listening, to nine ten the fan now one oh five one FM. Brenton home on a Thursday afternoon. One segment left. Awod Radio takes over. Grant and Danny drive you home on the fan. Awod, I'll apologize at the start of crosstalk here. I spent yesterday afternoon uh, at the University of Richmond. And, um, man, it's so nice over there. <laughs> like, I love VCU. I was at I was at AWOD Goes Back to School. Uh, always a great time. But man, like those buildings, the vibe, like, yo. So you
3: were on VCU's campus and then are now proceeding to hype up Richmond. I know. Ah, I want to stomp you right now.
1: Ahead of the rivalry game, too. I want to stomp you, Spider. I wanted to dislike it so bad, but you just walk around and it's so peaceful and, you know, historic looking. And, you know, it's such a nice place.
3: Yeah, but I had the cheer squad outside of Harris Hall.
1: Dude, you had a whole DJ. Who was your guy? DJ Dukster. DJ Dukster was yeah. good. Yeah, he was he was on the ones and the twos. Uh you had great guests. Yeah, I was uh Coach Gifford was there when I was there from, yeah. from from the soccer team. Can you believe that 60 different players in his 14 car- year career, 60 players have gone on to play pro? I can believe that because um, one of my good friends, big soccer fan, and we went, we would go to some of the games, and he'd say like, these guys are legit. Yeah. Like this, this is a legit operation. You got, you got something special here. Uh, obviously, everybody knows the basketball team's special. That soccer team's special too. And oh, there's one other. Is it tennis? Tennis is routinely really tennis good too. Tennis is really good. Tennis yeah. is always very good at easy. I always like you. You always know it's wintertime when they blow up the bubble. There at the, uh, yeah. at the tennis well, courts That was the
3: coolest thing is that when I was in school I was on the club tennis team and you got to practice in there So we were practicing where...
1: You were on the club tennis team? Oh, yeah. Wow. We
3: threw ragers. Let it be known, the club tennis team threw absolute ragers. I had no idea.
1: Yeah. Um, Do you play against other club teams? Is that the yeah. Oh, yeah. Every year we'd go down to, I believe it's Wilmington, North Carolina for a tournament. Oh. And
3: I would get so hammered that I could not (laughs) play the next day. And so I would just, you know, be the cheerleader, be the mascot.
1: But it was always the best trip. Did you ever play against the varsity tennis team? Uh, we
3: did scrimmage against certain players there. We did, one of my friends and I, Lee, who is amazing at tennis, we did two against one, and the guy smoked us
1: 6 nothing. It was two against one. There were two of you, one yes, one of him. Yeah, it was six. me and
3: Lee, who's way better than me, against this one guy.
1: Unbelievable.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> covered the entire court.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those, right, like how many of us would it take to beat Serena Williams, right? right? One of her against, what do we need, like six of us, you know, divided? I'm
3: five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, and even that, you know, we're going to have to hit some shots. One of us is going to have to know how to volley at the net.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, could you score a point against Serena Williams in an entire regulation tennis match? And the answer is obvious, if she faults. Yeah, Like, that's my only hope here. is that at some point she's going to get bored with just doing a a nice soft serve to me. She's going to go for an ace. She's going to miss, and that's my point. That's my only
3: path to victory. The difference in levels with tennis is outrageous, and the speed and the strength that you can hit the ball when you're at that level. Guys like us, you think like, oh, if I just make contact with it, it'll bounce back. No, it's going to go everywhere but in.
1: How far does being on the club tennis team get you around campus? Is that... Does that, does that get you? People look at you. People know you walking <laughs> hey, around?
3: The dance team came to one of our parties back in the day. There, I'll never forget
1: that. There you go. And yeah. that's, all, that's all you need right there. Uh, uh, all right. Crosstalk time. Want to chat? Um, all right. Uh, JC's back here. Let's, let's play the sound. Let's make this official.
2: Two hosts enter. Let's get it on right now. All right. Two hosts will also leave. But in between, all bets are off. This is Crosstalk with MP and AWOD. Okay, okay. Let's get this show on the road.
1: Derby Bill sharing Bee Gees memories here in my. T- I just picked up my phone. Um, <laughs> I see you, Derby Bill. I uh, saw Gloria Stefan in 1979 at VCU. Uh, Derby Bill did. So there, there you go. Uh, now you know with the Miami Sound Machine. All right. I want to talk to you about the Commanders, though. Adam Schefter reports this morning. Josh Harris, uh, he's the new owner of the Commanders, uh, most famous for being not Dan Snyder. That's, uh, that's the best thing Pretty about much, him. Yeah. Uh Is sitting in on interviews with top prospects, including the quarterback prospects, this week at the Combine. Your thoughts? No problem with that at all. I think it's
3: actually probably a good idea. You know, he's looking for a leader of men. Yes, he is. There have been a lot of quote-unquote red flags about several of the quarterbacks coming out in the draft. Namely, Caleb Williams. that Maybe he's not mature enough to play in front of his hometown. I I think Josh Harris sitting in on that conversation would help them make the decision. Now, he's going to in the end, let Adam Peters make that decision. I don't, that's why I don't think this is an issue. There's no way that Josh Harris is going to say, well, you know, I think we should go this way. He's not going to do that.
1: Here's where I'm at on, on Harris at this point. I, I like him a lot, and, and I think he'll be good for the team. I don't think he's going to be like a top five owner. I don't think this is going to be like, you know, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, you know, na- name your place. I think that this will just be a solid, well-run organization and I'm good with that like af- after everything after everything the last 2 decades have brought I'm good I don't need a superstar um we just need basic competence I think he's 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 basic competence um I wonder if a little bit of him and he talked about this in the Chick Hernandez interview right like I think he was maybe caught off guard with how weird the coaching interview cycle was with in terms of you know you can talk to certain people at certain times and certainly you, you don't know if they would have hired raheem morris but they all liked raheem morris but raheem morris wasn't going to sit around and wait for them to make their decision because he didn't want the atlanta door to close you wonder if, you know he's just acclimating himself to the nfl it's a weird league it's weird rhythms um, You know, if if that's his way of saying it, like, okay, there's a lot I need to know here. I'm going to the combine. I'm going to these events. I'm going to figure these things out.
3: I think if you're upset about Josh Harris after this report, you're mad at the wrong things. I, I, I would be okay with the fan base being upset about the 75 million only going to the suites. Like, that does nothing for the common folks. And that's something that he talked about when he took over ownership, Was I was going to enhance the fan experience. If you're only enhancing it for the millionaires, you're not enhancing it for everyone.
1: I'll make seats for the American working man, because that's what I am, an American working man. He, he, he's renovating the suites. He's renovating the premium areas. That they're not, they're not going to do much to the seats at FedEx Field before he's gone. I'm curious what the new stadium will look like because I think that's an opportunity for him to make a statement, right? What's uh, the Clippers owner, right? He's doing all those seats where it's, you know, you got to be a true fan to and have now these they're changing seats. changing the logo, Come too. every game.
3: They're, they're <laughs> changing it up in LA. They're
1: changing everything up, but they've got a whole section at the new stadium that it's like $20 a game, yeah. but the deal is you can't resell them. You have to root for the Clippers. Well, like You know what
3: the problem is? Is that they had a 15-point fourth-quarter lead, and LeBron and the Lakers came back and won. <laughs> Well, I watched that entire fourth quarter last night. It's I a get, joke.
1: I can tell you more broadly what the problem is. They're not the Lakers, and they play in Los <laughs> Angeles. Like the same problem the Angels have. The Angels could win nine World Series in a row, and next year it'd be a, man, Dodgers season, like how the Dodgers look this year. Uh, you, some teams are just always going to live in the shadow out there.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is the time when they were supposed to change that. Uh, I mean, you look at the standings here. They're in fourth place. The Lakers are in ninth. And you have a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter. That's kind of what's the problem with the NBA right now, is that no lead is safe. And it's frustrating.
1: It's, it's the NBA's always been a fourth quarter league, but you see these fifteen point, twenty point swings. It's been particularly wild this year. Caleb Williams in the meeting. If you're Josh Harris, do, do you talk? Do you ask? Do you observe? Like my fear is that somehow he's going to talk himself into trading up for Caleb Williams. That's my that's, <laughs> my, that's my That's my fear here. I, I know you'd love it. Yeah. Um, if it's the right price and everybody's on board, sure. But I I would not love a trade up for Caleb Williams unless it was a really like no first round picks exchanged beyond going number 1 to number 2.
3: I'm in for Caleb. I mean I just uh, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm yeah. in for Caleb. But I am turning into a bit of a Drake May guy as well, you know. Uh, uh, so I'm a, just I'm just not in on Jaden Daniels. That's the guy like there's no highlight, there's no interview I've watched that's made me become a Jaden Daniels guy.
1: The combine has been very good to Drake May. Um, I mentioned this the other day, and you, you raised your eyebrows, so let's sneak it in with two <laughs> minutes left. Max Schulga, what does he do next year?
3: Uh, I think he tries to make the most money possible.
1: Is 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 that overseas? Is that uh, Rams Unlimited? Is that uh, another a Power 5 school that comes calling? I mean, no. who was the UR kid? Bur- I, Burton? Yeah, Tyler who, Burton. Who, Burton who went left to for the Villanova, Villanova money? Nova. Yeah, there, somebody's going to wave a lot of money at him. I, I don't think it's the NBA. I think you agree with me he's a second-round pick, right?
3: I don't think it's the NBA, and I don't think it's another college basketball team outside of VCU. Okay. I think it's between uh, you know, him getting drafted and going the G League route to try to make it to the NBA or uh, the European route, which, I mean— my goodness, there's probably a ton of offers out there for him on Europe. And, you know, there's so many different countries there uh, that have good basketball leagues. Yes, and he fits that style
1: very much. So, yeah, yeah I, overseas worries me a lot. I, I think ultimately he wants to be in the NBA, though. I think that probably nudges him towards VCU or another school when it's all said and done. Because I, the G League life is not what it used to be. Like now that college basketball players can get paid. There's way less reason to do a G. Yeah, but I don't even really want to talk
3: about the future of Max Scholger because this is the issue is that, you know, last year we didn't even really get to talk about the championship because all of a sudden Mike Rhodes was at Penn State. You know, there's really no time to celebrate. So let's celebrate what we have with Max Scholger right now. He got over 1,000 collegiate uh, points. And you know what was shocking with that? More than 400 of them came at VCU.
1: That, I thought it was going to be more lopsided to Utah State. I completely agree. Uh, who's your VCU interview today during your Zeb show? Jackson, Zeb Jackson, 1230. Zeb Jackson, stay tuned, 1230. AWOD Radio
0: up next. This is 910 The Fan, now one FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?